Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 7 how Noah lived by the words from God's mouth, and we'll study how God told Old Testament saints more than we think or more than we know that he did. And we hope you're enjoying these tremendous Bible studies, this great expository teaching that we're getting from Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. And we do appreciate your listenership, and we hope that you'll go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, to take advantage of some of our free resources or to go to our bookstore that's there. But we also want to make an invitation to you for 2015 to become one of our monthly supporters of Friendship with God so we can continue broadcasting on this station in your city, as well as providing the messages for free for you, the listener, on iTunes.com, SermonAudio.com, and also on our main website, FriendshipWithGod.org. All there for free listening and free download, but it's there with your support, and we need you to become a monthly supporter if you can. You can call us at 800 247 3051, and we can set you up for that. That's 800-247-3051, and that'll help continue Friendship with God airing on this station in your city and also available by podcast and MP3 download. Again, it's 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051 to support Friendship with God this year in 2015 with a monthly donation of any amount. Or you can donate one time online at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. Genesis 7. See, we're making great progress. We're in chapter 7. It's been a year. And uh, we're really moving along now. So hold on to your hat and fasten your seatbelt. All right. (laughs) All right, let's uh, look to the Lord first in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your patience, Lord, to be our God, your provision, Lord, and your your perseverance to see us all the way through. And this morning, Lord, we report for learning to you. So teach us wondrous things out of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Genesis chapter 7. Please follow along here as I read the first 16 verses. Genesis 7, 1 through 16. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days I'll cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days, forty nights. Every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the floods of waters was upon the earth. Noah went in, and his sons and his wives and his sons' wife with him into the ark because of the waters of flood. Clean beasts, beasts that were not clean. Fowls, every living thing that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah, and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark, they and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah, unto the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. 
And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now, in reviewing and looking at in the past there, what we have seen here so far, this chapter, chapter 6, it's not so bad we spent so much time on chapter 6, because after all it spans 120 years, but here we, that's supposed to be a joke, you know, but all right, so anyway... Sorry, it's really bad when I have to tell you it's a joke, but that's okay. Uh, so we come here at chapter 7, the beginning, and this is now, looking back on it, God has, has told Noah some very, very terrifying words, that he's going to judge the world. And it just so happens that Noah lives on that world. And Noah's saying to himself, I need to be saved from this judgment. And there's only one way for me to be saved from this judgment, God. And so Noah is God-focused, and God is going to tell me, Noah thinks. God's going to tell me. And what God is going to tell me is going to save my life. I'm going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how I'm going to be saved from this judgment. So when Noah hears God say, build an ark, come into the ark, he's saying, those are the words that I'm going to live by. They came right out of the mouth of God. And so that picture for us of Noah is, is very, very important because what happened in our case? We first heard, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we said, that means me. And then we heard Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And that made us afraid. And then in that state, like Noah, we said to ourselves, I'm going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And then we heard the words that came out of the mouth of the Lord in Matthew 11.28, when he said, come unto me. And we came and we were saved. So Noah and us lived by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, you look now, we are here now in, in, in Genesis 7, 1 and 2. The ark is built, and now it's ready to fill the ark. So, he's speaking, God is speaking now in verse 2 to Noah about the animals that should come into the ark. What two types of animals is God referring to? Clean, clean and unclean. How many clean animals does he bring into the ark? Seven. How many unclean does he bring into the ark? Two. What's the difference between a clean and unclean animal? Okay, there's a difference. <laughs> so, all right. Now, you tell me what's wrong with this picture. You know, so you tell me what's wrong with this picture. I'm knowing now, you know, and you're sitting there and you're saying, I've got to fill this ark with all these animals. Oh, I've got to have seven of the clean and two of the unclean. I've got to get a pen. I've got to get some paper. I've got to put on this side of the paper all the clean animals and... This side of the paper, the unclean animals. I've got to fill it up. What's wrong with that picture? He didn't know what he was looking for. Okay? So he didn't know what was clean and what was unclean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, okay, you see it? I mean, he didn't sit there and say, I've got to make that unclean. Wait a minute, I don't know what an unclean and a clean animal is. See? You don't think so, huh? All right, so he didn't sit there and say that. Now, what books in the Bible explain to us what a clean and unclean animal are? No? Yeah, one in Leviticus, Leviticus 11, one in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 14, big elaborate list. Who wrote those? Moses, right. Moses wouldn't come along for another 800 years. So all that we've read from Genesis 7-2, up until this point in Genesis 7-2, we don't read a verse 
that says, And God said to Noah, Clean animals have split hooves and chew the cud, and unclean animals have split hooves and don't chew the cud. We don't read that. And after God said this to Noah in Genesis 7-2, we don't read a verse where Noah says to God, I don't know what a clean and an unclean animal is. So, because you don't have those two verses before and after Genesis 7-2, what's the only conclusion that you can draw about how Noah knew the difference between an unclean and unclean animal? What's the only conclusion that you can come to? Well, that's one conclusion. <laughs> but he's got a list, and he's checking them off. Yeah, go ahead. God knew. The numbers? Oh, you mean seven showed up and two showed up? <laughs> Is there no other conclusion <laughs> that you could come to than that? How about <laughs> that God told Noah and he didn't tell us? Is that possible? Yes, sir. <laughs> that God told Noah and he didn't tell us? And does this uncover something for us that's maybe even a little more profound? Maybe there are things that God told the Old Testament saints that he didn't tell us? Is that possible? Is it possible to think that we don't know what the Old Testament saints knew and what they didn't know because we're not told what they knew and didn't know? And so when someone says, well, those Old Testament saints, they didn't know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. How could they be saved? We don't know what they knew about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we don't know how God told Noah uh, there would be seven unclean and unclean unless they all showed up on his doorstep. But I'm sure Noah had a checklist because that's the kind of person Noah was. Very carefully, built an ark. So when the Lord Jesus Christ says in John 8, 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and were glad, and then we hear something like that, and he says, now wait a minute. We know from the Bible everything that they knew and everything that Abraham knew, and we don't understand how Abraham could have seen the day of the Lord Jesus Christ and rejoiced in it. The point is, we don't know. And the point is, God doesn't feel obligated to tell us because we're on a need-to-know basis. And so when it does not say that Noah was told the difference between the unclean and the clean animals, but he was told exactly what to do to go get them. We're not told how Noah knew or what God instructed Noah about clean and unclean animal because it's just not important for us to know that. And so the truth from this, from this point about this Noah and the clean and unclean animals is that if there's only one person for anyone to be saved by, the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Old Testament saints knew him. And how they knew him, we don't know. Not important. All right, now, so we're standing here at Genesis 7-1, and Noah's looking at the ark, and he says to himself, that's a big boat, right? <laughs> he looks at the ark, and he says to himself, now that's something, that ark. And he's thinking there, and he's, he's thinking back when he first heard the terrifying words in Genesis 6 13, where God said to him, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and I will destroy them with the earth. He's thinking of that. And he's thinking, The end of all flesh? I'm flesh. That sounds bad for me. And, it's, and he hears those words, He's going to destroy them with the earth. I live on the earth. The earth is my home. That's too close to home. 
And then after that, terrifying words in verse 13 of chapter 6, he hears verse 14 where God says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make it, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, where we are now in chapter 7, verse 1, like I said, it's 120 years later. And Noah thinks to himself as he looks at this ark, and he says to himself, God told me to build this ark 120 years ago. God told me to build this ark before there was one drop of rain that ever hit the earth. God had a way in his mind for how I was going to escape the judgment before the judgment came. And Noah thought about that, how God had all this in mind beforehand, and he thought, there's a word that comes to me. Noah could say this, there's a word that comes to me right now, and that is the word provision. God provided. Noah thought about how God anticipated the need for salvation from the flood and made provision 120 years ago. Now, in thinking about what Noah was thinking there about the word provision, it's the concept of taking care of a need before the need comes. And so Noah would have been amazed at just the concept that God is providential. God is a providing God. He anticipates the needs and he works to take care of those needs before they come. That's what God did for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's available for free, signing up with your email by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. You can also call us now or after the program with your support and donation at 800 247 3051-800-247-3051. It'll help us to continue airing on this station in your city. You can also call us for a free gift for a lost Jewish friend that you know that needs to be reached with the gospel. Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries will give you a free gift to reach your lost Jewish friend, and that's made available by your donations and your support, but we'll provide that free if you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel. Call us at 800-247-3051. Just as God had an ark in mind before a single drop of water hit the ground, so God had the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ in his mind before any man was ever born. That's why it says in Revelation 13, 8, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's called the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Effectively slain from the foundation of the world. And that's why this whole concept is why when Abraham, in the most ten, one of the most tender scenes in the Bible of a father-son love, and they're walking together, and both of them have this commitment to not hide anything from each other. And Abraham is going up the hill of Mount Moriah, knowing in his mind that God has called him to sacrifice his son. And it says in Genesis 22, 7, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, here am I, my son. 
And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham says in verse 8, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went, both of them, together. That same word that was in Noah was thinking about as he looked at the ark, that God had provided that same word Abraham was thinking about God as he went up there. God provides. God will provide. That is who God is. He is a providing God. We need to trust my son Isaac in God's provision. Don't know what it is, but God will provide because that's who he is. And the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, is the lamb provided. We see, you might want to turn to this too, 1 Corinthians 10.13. This is the verse I couldn't remember last Sunday, Sunday before anyway. 1 Corinthians 10.13, because in this verse, we see also here God's provision. And it's a provision during our temptation. And it says here that there hath no temptation taken you, seized you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What is God's provision in this verse called? What's it called? Yeah. It's a way of escape. A way to escape. A way to escape. A way of escape. And if God does not provide the way of escape, what attribute of God is on the line here. What attribute of God is on the line? Faithfulness. His faithfulness. Why does God provide the way of escape? Because God is faithful. So the Lord Jesus Christ can be titled also God's way to escape or God's way of escape. God's way for man to escape an eternity in hell judgment. When Noah looks at the ark, some people saw a boat. Noah saw in the ark God's way of escape. God has, has told Noah some very, very terrifying words that he's going to judge the world. And it just so happens that Noah lives on that world. And Noah's saying to himself, I need to be saved from this judgment. And there's only one way for me to be saved from this judgment, God. And after God said this to Noah in Genesis 7-2, we don't read a verse where Noah says, to God, I don't know what a clean and an unclean animal is. And so when someone says, well, those Old Testament saints, they didn't know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. How could they be saved? We don't know what they knew about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we don't know how God told Noah. When Noah saw the ark, some people saw just a boat, but Noah saw God's provision. Some people look at the ark, they saw a boat, but Noah saw God's faithfulness. In the same way, we look at the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't just see a good man who lived 2,000 years ago. We don't just see a prophet. We, like Noah, looking at the ark, we look at the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, that's God's way of escape. We see in the Lord Jesus Christ God's provision. We see in the Lord Jesus Christ God's faithfulness. So when anyone asks the question, how am I going to escape the judgment that I deserve? How am I going to get to heaven, in other words? That person is putting himself in the place of Isaac. And he's looking up to Abraham and asking the same question, my father, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And then the words of God, through the words of Abraham, come, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So just as the ark was for Noah, 
God's provided way of escape from the judgment. So the Lord Jesus Christ is God's provided way of escape for us from the judgment. So the ark was a provision of God. Next, look back to Genesis 6.13. We've been talking about this verse. God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy. So again, you put yourself in Noah's place. And you hear these words, I will destroy them with the earth. You've just heard that everyone on the earth is going to be destroyed. You hear in in 17 of that chapter 6, God say, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that's in the earth shall die. This is the first time. This is the first time. You've got to remember, this is the first time that anybody has ever heard of a flood. No one's ever heard of this massive overflowing of water that kills. You, if you're Noah, you've never seen a flood. You've never seen an overflowing of water. You can't even really imagine it, what it is. You can't imagine what it's like. And all you know is it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad because God said he's going to use it to destroy. But you as Noah have no idea how This flood judgment, this overflowing of water, is going to destroy everybody on earth. You can't imagine it. But Noah, just hearing about this judgment of a flood, has never seen, never been told by God exactly how it's going to work out. You know, that's exactly the position that we're in today, as Noah was back then. We've never seen hell, but God has said there's a judgment called hell that we've never seen it. But we, like Noah, have only been told about it, and we've been told it's really bad. It's a place of eternal suffering, of eternal anguish, of eternal pain. Now, imagine Noah, after hearing this terrible judgment's coming, and if you were Noah, if we were Noah, our first thought would be, obviously, what about me? What about me? How am I going to escape from this? And so that's why we said in verse 14, those words come so wonderfully to Noah, where he hears God say, make thee an ark. And Noah says, a what? You know, he never seen that before either. And God says, an ark. And here's the details of it. And he's going to pitch inside and out. And in verse 15, and he goes on with the details. And Noah, of course, because we know what it says continuously about Noah. He did everything he was told to do. So we know Noah was the type of person who said, okay, I'm all ears, tell me. You know, I got my notes, I'm taking notes. Now what's the point here? The ark was not for Noah his invention. It was a revelation. The ark was not Noah's innovation. It was an enlightenment that came to him. The ark was not Noah's discovery. It was a disclosure that came to him from God. He didn't come to the idea of the ark by deduction. Noah didn't. The ark was brought to Noah by God. And that's exactly how it is for our salvation. If you like to turn to 2 Corinthians, but you know these verses, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, where it speaks about how we came to understand God's salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, That God, and then he calls us back to remind one point about God. This is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How did we come to put our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ as God's provided way to escape? 
wonderful expository teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. You can do so at friendshipwithgod.org. If you're enjoying the Friendship with God radio program, we'd like you to support this Old Testament teaching radio Bible teaching program, and you can do so by calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor uh, teaches so well the Old Testament. He's just a master teacher of the Old Testament, the life of Abraham. We've been studying lately in the book of Genesis, chapter 23, and the Jewish people started with Abraham. Uh, Tom Cantor himself, our Bible teacher, is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants you and others to reach the lost Jewish people of this nation and this world. Now, to do so, he's established Israel Restoration Ministries. He's the founder of this Jewish Evangelism Outreach Ministry. We have full-time missionaries, part-time missionaries, and volunteers like you that help us in reaching the lost Jewish people in our cities and our neighborhoods. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism or get Jewish evangelism materials to give to lost Jewish people that you know for free, you can call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800 800- 247-3051. You can also go online to israelrestoration.org. That's israelrestoration.org for free Jewish evangelism materials and information on how you can reach lost Jewish people, including how to receive the Jewish Messiah as your Savior. Find that plan of salvation online at israelrestoration.org. That's israelrestoration.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.